Today on The Year That Made Me, we're going to meet Omnia El Omrani, who was recently named the official youth envoy for the UN Climate Change Conference 2022, COP27, which took place at Sharm el-Sheikh in Omnia's home country of Egypt. As well as being a climate change activist, Omnia is also a doctor who has combined the intensities of medical studies and medical practice with an intense passion for dealing with the challenges of climate change and making sure that the voices of young people are heard in that process. Dr. Omnia Elomrani, welcome to The Year That Made Me. Hello. Thank you for having me. So happy to be with you today. It's a great pleasure. Omnia, could you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a single child. Uh, my dad is, works in business and my mom uh, also wor- worked a bit, but now she doesn't work. Um, she stayed at home. Yeah, my dad always, you know, he had a dream that he would like they wanted me to become a doctor because he himself wanted to be a doctor. So did you feel the pressure to be a doctor or did you always have that desire yourself as well? I had that desire already since I was very young. Then my dad was like very motivating and more in the encouraging sense rather than, you know, you have to be in medical school. Uh, It was way more flexible than that. So I've been uh, doing medical school for um, seven years uh, since 2013. Uh, and then I graduated and I uh, uh, started my training in plastic and uh, uh, reconstructive uh, surgery. Um, I've been, and my whole life I lived in Cairo, in Egypt, uh, but I've always loved uh, to travel. Um, and uh, when, I st- when I joined uh, my youth-led organization that we represent over one, one million medical students from 133 countries, um, this is when my passion started for... Uh, traveling, but also for advocating for climate change and uh, um, other global health issues that affect our health. And obviously, Omnia, you've grown up in a time of intense political change in your country. Could you tell us a little bit about how you experienced all of that? Um, Yeah, I think... um you know, being at school at that time was actually very inspiring to see uh, political change happen. Um, I think it really brings it into perspective how uh, we as young people have the, the agency to make change from the level of the community to the level of uh, uh, policy uh, from local to national to global. Um, and being part of that and at that time in Egypt, it's... Uh, it's kind of a way that always um, that becomes a force uh, that drives me personally and young people in Egypt uh, to always make change. Um, and we've seen that even now with COP in Egypt and with climate change, the ones that were pushing for this agenda and for the solutions and for the increased commitments by Egypt to climate change was actually us, the young people here. And, and seeing that now this needs to be a priority more than anything uh, because it affects our health and our future the most with us being the least uh, to contribute. When would you say that climate change became a part of your ambition as something you wanted to work on as well as being a doctor? Uh, it was in 2016 uh, when I went to do an internship in Miami on emergency medicine. Mm. And uh, when I went there uh, on my, um, it was my first time to go to the U.S. Uh, on my second week, there was Hurricane Irma. And uh, it was the first time for me to ever witness a hurricane and let alone also be in the hospital. And I saw how um, such a 
extreme uh, led uh, extreme weather event led by climate change affects health in a very direct way either through injuries or through mental uh, stress and anxiety because of the our power outages lack of access to food to healthcare services as well as our social and economic status um, and this brought it into perspective for me and i also had to evacuate my own home um, and then when I got back, um, I started to focus more on climate change uh, within my organization. And I saw that IFMC, which is the Federation of Medical Students, goes to the climate change conference. So I was even more interested to see what it is and what happens there and how I can, as a young medical student, contribute to this uh, advocacy and to the issue itself. After that, I went and I applied to be a delegate to the COP24 in Katowice. And it was my first COP and I stayed there for three weeks. I went to the Conference of Youth as well. Uh, there was around 100 the student applications and only uh, 10 were selected and I was one of them and it uh, really uh, motivated me because when I went there I started to understand more how climate change affects health. We were working hand in hand with uh, medical doctors, nurses and health professionals and students. Um, so since then I decided that this is the one thing I want to work on alongside my medical studies but I would not give it up and I will do it uh, hand in hand no matter how uh, challenging it would be. Omnia, you said I think that it was just two weeks after you'd got to America that Hurricane Irma hit. I can only imagine that the culture shock of being in the US for the first time would be a significant experience in itself. It must have just been mind-boggling to then go through a natural disaster as well. Yeah, and especially that I was on my own and mm. I couldn't tell my family because they would be worried about me not understanding the scale of what the hurricane is and what it mm. would lead mm. to. And your first COP was COP24. We know that you were also the youth envoy to the president at COP27. So you're something of a COP veteran. How many COPs have you uh, have you racked up, Omnia? Yeah, <laughs> only three COPs. Only three. And oh, this is my that's, a, that's a modest number of COPs. That's good. <laughs> And across those three COPs then, could you give us your observations about the way that the conversation about climate change has evolved and your sense of what progress or perhaps lack of progress has occurred over those conferences? Yeah, I think it's such an interesting time to attend COP because you can see it in two stages one is like the pre-covid stage and then there's the post-covid stage and covid19 was a good and a bad opportunity because it was good because it, it brought into perspective how urgent countries need to act on a health crisis we've seen lockdown mm. procedures money flowing in we saw that the urgent steps being taken in ways in unprecedented ways and political will was just driving the response to covid which again, which again is a health crisis. But then the same year, 2020, was the year when, when countries were submitting their national uh, commitments to climate change or their NDCs, their national determined contributions. And there was a backtrack on what these commitments are and the funding for it, because now there's another crisis, which is COVID-19. But then this helped us as the health, climate and health community to push for the the urgency towards acting and prioritizing climate change and mobilizing resources for it because 
We recognize that climate change is a health crisis as well. It is the biggest health threat of the 21st century. It's also a human uh, rights and a justice issue that's affecting the most uh, vulnerable communities the most. And then when you look at the other side of, of what I also work on, which is youth engagement, and this I've seen a very good progress. I would not say that this is what we want, but it's in the making. Because when I started in, in Katowice, so there was the youth constituency, which is Yongo, the children and youth, officially an C entity that represents children and youth. And what we wanted to do differently in Egypt starting from what I've seen in COP24, 25 and 26, is that we wanted to push for having more young climate representatives as negotiators and official country delegations. And this was integrated for the first time in the COP decision outcome. Uh, in Egypt as well, there was the very first children and youth pavilion, which is a youth-led space for young people, inviting the policymakers to come and co-create policy asks and solutions with us. Um, so it was such a huge momentum for youth and the presence uh, of our voices and its integration at COP. Um, it's also the first time that every year, and, and I contributed to the, to the Global Youth Statement, which is a document that says what young people want from around the world in the climate change process. And every year we do that at COI, which is the Conference of Youth, right before COP. I did the one uh, in uh, Katowice, and then in Madrid and in, in Glasgow, I wasn't able to attend, but there was a big global youth statement presented. And it just gives, you know, the young people give it to their president of COP and that's it. Nothing happens afterwards. This year we did it differently. The COP president received it, but then we did two sessions and not just a typical panel. It was a roundtable where we invited and we had the ministers, the negotiators sit on the same table as young experts and practitioners and discuss what to do with the statement, what are the certain things that we are demanding as young people and how can they work on it. And young people were given the floor first to share, to ask. And, and this is you know, a milestone that I love to see start here. But again, every single milestone we see, it's always the beginning of much more. Well, it's great to hear that there has been that progress in terms of hearing the voices of young people on such an important issue. Uh, Omnia, of course, we are talking about the year that made you, and you've told us about the significant experience you had when you went to the United States. Which year would you choose as the year that made you? Um, I would say 2019. <laughs> Definitely this year. And why year. is that? Um, because this year was, uh, for me, the defining point between you know do i still work on climate change and you know an area that i truly love and i'm very passionate about or do i continue in my medical studies and just give it up because of the time and the stress and the you know yeah. the mental <laughs> sacrifices that i need to do and at what point during the year did you make that decision? Because it sounds like in the end you decided that you were going to have both, yes? Yes. Um, so this was, um, so in 2019, this was my final year in medical school before I start one year of internship. And we had two huge final exams. Uh, one that was on general surgery and the second was on obstetrics and gynecology. Both of them are tremendously big. And it's been 
12 months of us studying for them. Um, but then my, my general surgery exam was right before COP25 and my obstetrics exam was right after <laughs> COP25. <laughs> I wasn't even just a delegate. I was the head of the delegation of 12 students coming from five continents, having COP25 cancelled one, two weeks before from Chile to Madrid. Um, and this was the time I had to make a decision whether... You know, I would study um, in Egypt, like all my students who were already breaking down because of the stress, or do I go to COP25, stay there, try to study there and just go to the exam right after. <laughs> did you did you meet many other people at COP25 who were also simultaneously studying for their final medicine exams? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised that, but it sounds like you uh, somehow managed to, to make it through. I can only imagine how exhausted you must have been at the end of 2019. Yeah, I think I made it. You know, I did both. And I actually got like an A star in my obstetrics exam, which is you know, still unbelievable for me, uh, but it, it puts a lot of things into perspective. I'm, I'm really happy that I did that. Um, and then when when I did that, it opened a lot of opportunities, even for, for my organization to work more on climate change, not just advocacy, but also education and transforming a curriculum worldwide to have climate change part of it. Um, to really, you know, like find myself and, and find how to work with both and eventually, mm -hmm. you know, get the opportunity to work now when COP27 was in my country with young people in Egypt and globally. With all that stuff that you're doing outside your medical career, I was interested to know also, what is it about plastic and reconstructive surgery that attracted you as a specialty and what international event were you also managing while you started your first exams in, in reconstructive surgery and plastic surgery? Um, yeah, what attracted me about it is that I, I was very passionate uh, about uh, surgery in general. Uh, reconstructive surgery is very interesting because it's very um, um, detailed, uh, very concise. And it's very, mm. I say, beautiful because you focus on the small details and and it's also life-changing for the patient itself um, in a way that you also have control over versus general surgery is always like very urgent and it's chaotic most of the time. Uh, but mm. uh, plastic and reconstructive surgery is more, uh, is calm. And I work in a public hospital, so all our cases are more of road traffic accidents uh, and maxillofacial fractures, but also congenital anomalies like in young uh, babies, and young kids. Um, so I loved how meaningful it is and life-changing it can be. Um, what other events I did... <laughs> So I can start. <laughs> there is COP26 in Glasgow. I was invited by uh, Nigel Topping, the high-level champion, uh, to deliver a session on health and climate change. Um, and I think he is the one who got me back to climate change, especially when I started my residency. It was very challenging, way more than medical school, to do both. But then when I was invited to do COP26, I fought hard to go there. I, I'm also part of a youth sounding board with the European Commission. So we had a meeting in Brussels um, and I went there. And most importantly, <laughs> I went to the um, UNFCCC uh, MENA 
Climate Week, which is the first ever week that takes place in the Middle East. And this is when I met the COP27 presidency team. I'm exhausted just thinking about the number of things that you've done <laughs> in, your, in both sides of your career. Omnia, thanks so much for speaking with us on The Year That Made Me. Of course. Thank you again for having me. It's been such a pleasure. And as always, we will finish The Year That Made Me with a piece of music selected by our guest, Omnia. What will it be? The, the type of music that I like, it's always about me dancing to it in the car. <laughs> this is how <laughs> I assess it. And there's one that I always love to dance to, which is Calm Down by Rama. Well, we'll imagine you dancing in the car as we play it now. Omnia El Amrani, thank you once again. Thank you. Another banga. Baby, calm down, calm down. Yo, this your body, he puts in my heart for lockdown, for lockdown. And that was Calm Down by Rama, the song chosen by our guest on The Year That Made Me, Dr Omnia El Omrani. Listen to more great stories that take you beyond the headlines. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.